Are there errors in the Bible? Well, today, Dr. J. Vernon McGee answers that question and so many others in our study of the Old Testament book of Proverbs on Through the Bible. I'm Steve Schwetz, and we're in Proverbs 8, verses 8 to 36. If you haven't yet gotten your free copy of Dr. McGee's Notes and Outlines, visit ttb.org to download them today. Now here's a quick introduction by Dr. McGee. Now today, as we return to the book of Proverbs, as we have suggested before, it's directed to a young man. And this is a book that has a special message for young people. And we're living in a day when an appeal is made to young people especially, in fact, to people of all ages, to try to improve themselves. Instead of being a dull individual, become an exciting individual. And there are all sorts of ways that are being used today. The world, of course, is using every method of advertising, and they've got something that will improve you. There are soaps and lotions and shampoos and salves and pills and pastes and powders that'll up your popularity rating. If you want to make a hit, you will either have to pour it on, rub it in, or take it before or after meals. Sprinkle or spray it, and you can even bathe in it. And then there's the possibility of buying the large economy size and going swimming in it. My friends, this is the day when a human family wants to improve itself and wants popularity. We want to be somebody. Mankind is striving for a higher Gallup rating. Now, the church has got onto this, too, and playing it for all it's worth and their series today on how to live the Christian life. There are seminars, and there are all kinds of charisma that's being suggested today, and charm that we might improve ourselves. And most of these, they go to the Bible, and these short courses they have, they have some particular objective in view, how to improve your PR, make your PR individual. You'll be outgoing and very popular, very attractive, and that sort of thing, and be a radiant Christian. All of these things are suggested in these courses that are being offered. And as a result, I talked to a leading pastor here in Southern California the other day who is supported all these programs, and he himself has conducted them. He said to me, he says, I am getting nothing in the world but a bunch of religious robots today. They follow a few little rules, and they attempt to live by them, and they feel like that they've got it made. And he said to me, he said, what do you think is wrong? Well, I said, I'm playing on an instrument of just one string, That's all I use. And my point is, you need to study the whole Bible. You need to go through the entire Word of God. You need to study it from Genesis to Revelation. And there have been so many today that have been disappointed when they go through these courses. And as a result, they feel that they've been defeated. 
may I say to you, my friend, those people of the past recognize that life without a real objective, without really a knowledge of the Word of God was futile. It was purposeless. Shakespeare has a character in the play of Macbeth make this statement, and I think it's a tremendous statement. Life's but a walking shadow, a poor player that struts and frets his hour upon the stage and then is heard no more. It's a tale told by an idiot full of sound and fury signifying nothing. Why not put a purpose in your life, Christian friend, to want to know the Word of God and not be one that's passing across the stage of life doing nothing in the world but strutting and fretting and doing something that signifies nothing. Oh, to come to a knowledge of the Word of God, to study the Word of God. Even Bobby Burns was a real pessimist, a man who could write such lovely poetry. And here is his estimation of life. O oh, life, thou art a galling load along a rough, a weary road to wretches such as I. Don't make it that way, Christian friend. Come get on the Bible bus and let's go through the Word of God. Some people ask, well, why are so many today turning to Christ? You are not an evangelist. You are not bringing sermons like that. Well, may I say to you, the Word of God has a power that no individual has. Only the Spirit of God taking the Word of God today can make a child of God and can enable him to grow and in grace and in the knowledge of Christ. Well, let's get on with growing in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ as we open our hearts and Bibles to Proverbs chapter 8. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, use your word to grow us in your grace, even as we grow in our knowledge of our Savior, Jesus Christ. For it's in his name we pray. Amen. Now here's our study of Proverbs 8 on Through the Bible with Dr. J. Vernon McGee. Now as we come here to the 8th chapter of the book of Proverbs, we saw last time that wisdom now is making a final plea and almost a desperate plea for the young man to come to her school and to turn in and to receive instruction from her. And the things that are being said are tremendous things. Back at verse 8, for instance, "...all the words of my mouth are in righteousness." There is nothing twisted or perverse in them. They're all plain to him that understand it and right to them that find knowledge. Now, there are many folk today that talk about the errors in the Bible and the problems. I know there are several books out that deal with problem scriptures. And I recognize that to an intelligent person, there are problems. But the problem is not in the Word of God. The problem is in the mind of you and me to tell the truth. I had a lot of problems at the beginning. I still have a few, but the problem is not in the Word of God. The problem is 
in the mind and heart of man. And when anyone says today, well, you know there are certain intellectual problems I have with the Bible. I just don't seem to be able to understand the Bible. Now, let me be very frank with you. The problem, my friends, not with the Bible. The problem is with you. There's a very remarkable passage of Scripture that we've looked at when we studied 2 Corinthians, and I've referred to it many times. I'll continue to refer to it. I think it's absolutely profound and yet very simple. It's in the third chapter of 2 Corinthians, verse 14. I'll begin reading there. He says, well, let me move back to verse 13. And not as Moses, which put a veil over his face, that the children of Israel could not steadfastly look to the end of that which is abolished, but their minds were blinded. For until this day remaineth the same veil untaken away in the reading of the Old Testament, which veil is done away in Christ. Now, there's a veil over their eyes. And immediately somebody will say, well, if there's a veil over the eyes, they can't see it, and they're not responsible. And that's what a great many are saying today. There's a veil over my eyes. I don't quite understand that. That's not your problem, friend. Let's now face right up to it, that the veil has been done away in Christ. But even under this day now, verse 15, when Moses is read, the veil is upon their heart. Well, he says the veil is there upon their heart. What about that? Nevertheless, this is verse 16. This is the one that's important. When it shall turn to the Lord, the veil shall be taken away. When it, what does he mean by it? Well, it refers back to the last principal subject, and that was the heart. When the heart, nevertheless, when the heart shall turn to the Lord, the veil shall be taken away. References back now to the heart. When the heart shall turn to the Lord. Now, you see, your problem is not head trouble. It's heart trouble. There's a lot of heart trouble today. And let's get right down now where the rubber meets the road, right where you're living. You say you've got intellectual problems, you have none. <laughs> your problem is that there's sin in your life, and you don't want to give it up. There are things in your life that you would not want to change. You are not willing to bow your head and your heart and come to Jesus Christ. That's your problem. When you're willing to, you notice, nevertheless, when the heart shall turn to the Lord, when you're ready to turn to him, it's amazing what'll happen. The veil shall be taken away. These things that are problems will be removed. I heard of a great mind and man of the Middle Ages who said, I had many problems until I came to Christ. Yes, you'll have a lot of problems, intellectual ones, but the problem is really heart trouble when you're ready to come to Christ. Because, you see, he's made it clear in his word. You can't misunderstand the gospel. It's deliberate, willful resistance of the gospel. And that is the reason that when I was a pastor, I used the word of God more or less like a Geiger counter. I just taught the Word of God. You know, you take a Geiger counter along, and you can tell when there's uranium there if you've got a Geiger counter. 
But the Word of God is just like that. I take that along, you know, in the church, and you come to one individual, and my, that little arrow just jumps up and down, and there's a recording taking place. They love the Word of God. <laughs> the Word of God is a Geiger counter, you see. But I'd go over some, and they, oh, they had pious expressions, and they had a fundamental vocabulary. But, you know, just dead as it could be. They never came on Wednesday evening, and if they did, they resisted the Word of God. And you know, that little group, you find them everywhere today. They resist the Word of God. And somebody says, why didn't you deal with them? I let God do that. It's amazing the things that happen as you go along, how God moves into this family, how he deals with this member and that member. And then this very arrogant young man, he runs off with another woman, leaves his wife, and it happens again and again. May I say to you, there was sin in the life. That's the problem today. I emphasize that because, my friend, God's made it very clear. There's nothing twisted or perverse in the words of God. <laughs> He's made it clear, friends. He tells you that he doesn't like sin. Maybe you do, and you won't like God, and you won't like the preacher that's giving out the Word of God. My, how you will resist him. How many wonderful preachers across this country today giving out the Word of God, and you've got that little group resisting the Word of God. Oh, they have a vocabulary. They sound as pious as punch. My, to listen to them talk, you think that they've just shined their halo, and they're going to take off any moment, flapping their wings. But they just don't happen to be that way underneath. Now, will you notice, he says here, receive my instruction and not silver, and knowledge rather than choice gold. That's verse 10 here now of Proverbs 8. For wisdom is better than rubies, and all things that can be desired are not to be compared to it. When you and I come to the place, as Job did, for the price of wisdom is above rubies, when you and I get our priorities straightened out in our lives, when you and I put a proper valuation on the things of this world and begin to put God first, you see, God says, the minute that you begin to put him first, all these things shall be added unto you. Now, will you notice, verse 12 now, Wisdom dwell with prudence, and find out knowledge of witty inventions. Now, we're going to find out the thing I've suggested. The Word of God's going to make it clear. Wisdom is a person. That person is the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, will you notice, verse 13, the fear of Jehovah is to hate evil, pride and arrogancy, and the evil way and the mouth of perversions do I hate. Now, this is something that's quite real today, friends. This is something that's right down where you live. Wisdom is manifest. It's the character of God, and that character has been told out in Christ, and evil and pride and arrogancy, and an evil way. They're hateful to him who's light and cannot abide in darkness. And we're going to have to turn from them if we belong to him. Now, verse 14, counsel is mine, sound wisdom. I am understanding. I have strength. By me kings reign, and princes decree judgment. 
By me princes rule, and nobles, even all the judges of the earth. There is a statement back in the Psalms that is tremendous. The Most High ruleth in the kingdoms of man. He giveth them unto whomsoever he will. And Daniel repeats that. How tremendous it is. God overrules down here in the affairs of this world. It doesn't make any difference about the government down on this earth. Somebody says, my, I tell you, Russia is a godless nation. Yes, I think that's probably true. We're pretty far along ourselves, you know. But God's overruling. <laughs> He's overruling. His will's being accomplished. He ruleth in the kingdoms of man. Then verse 17, I love them that love me, and those that seek me early shall find me. Now, this is something that in the life of Solomon, he discovered that when he sought God, God gave him wisdom. And he sought him early when he became the king. And he knew that was true in his own life. Now, God gave him a unique wisdom. And there are a great many that need that. I used to be very harsh on students that were so pious about their study of the Bible. They felt like that there's some sort of a miracle would take place in the study of the Word. Now, I believe that if you're willing to study the Word of God, that a miracle will take place, that the Spirit of God will open your mind and heart. But until you are willing to meet that, there must be the love of God, the love of the Word, and then the seeking of Him early. And a great many have waited a long time in life, but they've just been saved. And that's seeking him early. Now, verse 18, Riches and honor are with me, yea, durable riches and righteousness. My fruit is better than gold, yea, than fine gold, and my revenue than choice silver. These are wonderful gifts that are not to be put in a safety deposit box. They're not stocks or bonds. They're not real estate. But they're wonderful spiritual gifts that he bestows today. Now he says here, and we've come now to Christ. I lead in the way of righteousness, in the midst of the paths of judgment, that I may cause those that love me to inherit substance, and I'll fill their treasure. Now, I think from here on that you discover that the Lord Jesus is mentioned because we have here the one that is in the midst of the paths of judgment, and I may cause those that love me. Now, will you notice here, verse 22, Jehovah possessed me in the beginning of his way before his works of old. This is the Lord Jesus. This is wisdom. I was set up from everlasting, from the beginning, ere even the earth was. So that we have here the Lord Jesus mentioned. And when it says, I was set up, I was anointed from everlasting. Now, this is the one that you have mentioned in the Gospel of John, in that prologue. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. He was begotten, not in the sense of having a beginning of life, but as being of one nature and substance with the Father. 
way back yonder in eternity. He was God, and he was in the beginning with God. He was in the beginning that has no beginning, because in the beginning was the Word. He was past tense at the time of the beginning. And he is the one today, and the only one that can make this clear to us. He said, no man knoweth the Son but the Father. And you can't know the Lord Jesus unless the Father and the Son who've sent the Holy Spirit will open your heart. And that's the reason a saved person, he can rest and adore the person of the Lord Jesus. And let the skeptic be skeptical today. We're living in the midst of great unbelief, and the scoffers are about us. But my friend, our relationship is a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And he was the one that was the Word. And he was. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. What a tremendous statement we have here. Wisdom now is Jesus Christ. When there were no depths, I was brought forth. When there were no fountains abounding with water, before the mountains were settled, before the hills was I brought forth, while as yet he had not made the earth, nor the fields, nor the beginning of the dust of the habitable world. When he established the heavens, I was there. In fact, all things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. When he set a circle upon the face of the earth. You know, you might call God a square if you want to, but we've said he's a triangle, he's a trinity. But his universe is not a square, it's a circle. And men didn't know that at the beginning. Actually, the scientists used to speak of a more or less of a square universe. But God has always said it was a circle. And that today, that's the picture. You and I live in a world that's round. And we are going around our planetary system. And we belong to a galactic system. And it's a circle. And then all of these circles are circling around. I tell you, we're really going around and around. No wonder there are so many folk that think they're a big wheel today because they're going around in circles. And that's the way all of us are going now. Now we are told here that when he established the skies above, when he strengthened the fountains of the deep, when he gave to the sea his decree that the water should not pass his commandment, when he appointed the foundations of the earth. Now you can stand by the seashore, look way out yonder, and the water's higher than you are. Why doesn't it run over you? Well, God's made a commandment for that. He's got a law that keeps it right where it is. Then we are told, Then I was by him as one brought up with him, and I was daily his delight, rejoicing always before him, rejoicing in the habitable part of his earth. And my delights were with the sons of man. Without the Lord Jesus was not anything made that was made. All things were made by him. He's the firstborn of all creation, superior to all. Why? Because by him the Father brought all things into being, for he is the uncreated God. And he was rejoicing always before him. And these wonderful delights and joys come to us through the amazing grace of God today. How wonderful all of this is. Now, therefore, hearken unto me, O ye sons, for blessed are they that keep my ways. 
Hear instruction and be wise and refuse it not. Wisdom today is Christ, and there must be the love for it. Blessed is the man that heareth me, watching daily at my doors, waiting at the posts of my entrances. And whoso findeth me findeth life. You have Christ, you have life, and shall obtain favor of Jehovah. But he that sinneth against me wrongeth his own soul. All they that hate me love death. My friend, you hate Christ, you'll love death. If you love Christ, you'll hate death. What a picture. So until next time now, we'll continue on with wisdom. Wisdom is Christ. And we go to chapter 9 next time. We've just finished chapter 8, verse 36. Until next time, may God richly bless you, my beloved. Next time, we continue our great five-year study through the Bible. Until then, if you'd like to know more about how you can be a part of taking the whole word to the whole world, visit ttb.org or call us at 1-800-65-BIBLE. We're grateful for our committed listening family who faithfully pray and invest in Through the Bible as we together take the whole word to the whole world.